Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello from Our Dad Stamps. Before I start today's podcast, I thought I'd give you an update on my ongoing eBay situation. For those of you that haven't listened to my previous podcasts, back in January, I received an email from eBay to say that my account had been restricted because I owed them zero pounds and zero pence. After a call to customer services, they reinstated my account. But the following day, I got another email saying that I owed zero pounds and zero pence. And this situation was ongoing for several weeks until the beginning of February when I eventually got it sorted and all seemed okay. However, last Friday, once again, the dreaded email came through and my account was restricted. I happened to be away that weekend, so for a whole weekend, none of my items were relisted when they came to the end of their uh, time, and I was not able to bid on anything either. I eventually contacted customer services on the Monday. The usual platitudes, the usual apologies, my account would be reinstated, sir. 24 hours later, it still wasn't reinstated and required another phone call to customer services. In the meantime, I decided to write to Murray Lambell, the managing director of eBay UK, and just to update him on the sort of service that eBay is now offering and the total ineptitude of their staff to correct what would seem to be a simple error. You'd think that would be situation solved But this morning I woke up to yet a further email telling me that my account had been restricted. This time because they tried to apply for a payment of zero pound and zero pence and my card had been refused. Now that's rather strange because yesterday they actually took a payment from me for a small amount where I refunded a customer for overpayment of, of shipping costs. So they obviously haven't a clue what they're doing. I still haven't had a reply from the Managing Director, the lovely Mr Lamble. I will wait and see what happens with that. But in the meantime, I am moving my sales from eBay to Delcamp. The situation is utterly ridiculous. It is now eight times that they have suspended my account for no reason at all. It's a total incompetence and I really can't explain As I said to the guy this morning, I would expect a five-year-old to react better than eBay have done. So I will keep you informed whether I hear anything from uh, Mr eBay. In the meantime, if you're looking to buy things off me, please start looking at my Delcamp account uh, because that's where everything will end up. 
It will take me several months or 1,400 items to move across. But believe me, I will make the effort to do it and I won't give up on my pestering of eBay until I get some sort of acknowledgement that they really have messed up on this one. Right, back to my podcast. Today I thought I would talk about Great Britain stamps used overseas. Now, this is not something that Great Britain alone did. A lot of countries used their stamps overseas in the early days. But the Great Britain ones is something that I have a lot more knowledge on and it occurred probably more than a lot of other countries. So I will be talking about the the British stamps used overseas. Back in 1850s, the British postal system was a huge success in England, uh, or in Britain, sorry. And it became obvious that something similar was necessary throughout the whole of the British Empire. People were working overseas, companies needed to do business overseas, and if they could have an efficient postal system from where they were, it would make life much easier. However, the problem was that most of the countries did not produce their own stamps and did not even have the facilities for printing their own stamps. So it was decided that they would use British stamps and each country would have their own cancellation stamp so that it was obvious where the letter would have come from. And there are five distinct groups where this occurred. The first was in Europe and the Levant, which is the east coast of the Mediterranean at the time owned by the Ottoman Empire. Uh, The second place was in the British West Indies, The third place, perhaps surprisingly, but there were many consulates along there, was in South America and Central America. Uh, The fourth area where this occurred would be wherever the British Army was stationed, specifically in Egypt and South Africa. And finally, there are some from British naval stations in the Far East in Asia and Australia. But these are very, very rare, and I have to admit I haven't seen any evidence of these so far. However, they do exist. The first countries to use this system was Malta, Gibraltar, and Constantinople. And this started around about 1857. And each of those countries were given their own postmark. Malta had a cancellation with the letter M, Gibraltar's cancellation was the letter G, and unsurprisingly, Constantinople's was the letter C. Constantinople is an interesting one because it wasn't part of the the British Empire, but it came about by an arrangement between the British and the Ottoman Empires that Britain could have a post office in Constantinople. In actual fact, there were five post offices throughout the region, one in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, one in Istanbul, one in Smyrna, one in Salonika, and one in Beirut. The post offices continued there well into the 1920s. And in 1884, the Turkish piaster was devalued making it theoretically possible to buy British stamps in Turkey 
and ship them to England to make a profit. So to stop this practice, it was decided to overprint the stamps in Turkish currency. And so this was a slight variation on the previous ones where it was more than just the postmark to indicate where it came from. And soon after that, stamps were also overprinted with Levant, um, particularly for the parcels and newspapers. But as I said, this system carried on till well into the 1920s um, when it reverted, eventually reverted to civilian control. The system with Malta, Gibraltar and Constantinople worked well and so it was decided to extend this to other countries, starting with the West Indies. And it was also realised that it was going to be impossible to just use a letter for each country. And so the system was changed to have a letter followed by some numbers. And the first country to use this system was the post office in Kingston in Jamaica, which became A01. And then St John's in Antigua became A02. And Georgetown in British Guiana, A03 and A04, and so on. However, the system seemed to be abandoned by the time it got to number 16. A16 is the cancellation for Newcastle in England. And A17 was Alexandria in Scotland. However, by A18, they reverted back to English Harbour in Antigua. So there was no hard and fast rule in this. And Malta became A25. Gibraltar became A26. Constantinople retained the sea postmark for some time. Following on from the West Indies, the postmarks in South America generally bear B or C prefixes so that you get B32 for Buenos Aires and C30 for Valparaiso in Chile and several other letters were used but you also get the anomaly where Cyprus has just a number 942 so if this is going to be your area for collecting you really need a full list of all the countries and all the postmarks so that you can recognise where they came from. I first became aware of, of this system and became interested in this system through my Maltese collection. Some of you will know that my main area of interest is Malta and having collected a very large range of Maltese stamps including a big selection of the halfpence yellow, the uh, Maltese first stamp. Then I decided to extend it using the British stamps used in Malta with the A25 cancellation and the M cancellation. And being the sort of person I am, rather than just collect one of each, I thought it'd be a good idea to get to collect one of each plate number that existed in those stamps. So I set myself the daunting task of collecting the hundreds of stamps that would make up every plate and every possible British Victorian stamp that was used in Malta. In Malta, the M cancellation was only used up until 1860. And so there's only a few stamps that will show the M cancellation on them. Of those, I have the Penny Star, the Tutney Blue, 
a fourpenny rose and the sixpenny lilac. I don't yet have the one shilling green, so I'm still looking for that one. After that, the A25 cancellation came into place and there was a whole range of stamps available with an A25 cancellation. The plated penny reds, there are over a hundred of those, most of which were used in Malta. So it's a big task for me to collect one of each of those. I have all but the plate 12 of the Tutney Blues. And then from there up until the one shilling, I have probably most plate numbers, but there are gaps. Then you get to the more expensive stamps, which obviously are more valuable. And although I have one or two, that's still a place I need to develop. When you're collecting these, with the Maltese stamps, they started off just with an A25 obliterator, which had A25 in an oval shape uh, with bars above and below. Um, but after a while, they went to what was called a duplex cancellation, which had the A25 cancellation on one side and a circular date stamp on the other side. And it is possible to get these stamps with either the circular date stamp or the A25, or in some cases with a bit of both. It may be that one day that I'll collect one of each, but at the moment I'm just happy to collect ones that have been cancelled in Malta. By the late 1860s, this practice was beginning to be phased out as each country got their own stamps, either printed locally or in most cases printed in Britain and shipped out to them. And in the case of Malta, in December 1884, a notice went out to the post offices saying that British stamps would no longer be valid for postage in Malta. As I said at the beginning, many other countries have used their stamps overseas and even within the British Empire. Bizarrely enough, Bermuda stamps were used in Gibraltar initially um, before Gibraltar printed their own stamps. And Jamaican stamps were used in the Cayman Isles. Indian stamps were used in Aden and Zanzibar. So there is a lot of variety and a lot of options in this particular field. And if you do decide to look further into this, then either as I do, you can collect the stamps from one country that were posted in that country, or maybe you could collect one of each country that used British stamps, or any combination of it. Like everything in stamp collecting, the choice is yours and there's always a large choice to be had. Anyway, I hope you found that interesting. If you did and decide to take up this branch of collecting, then let me know how you get on and, and let me know what your interests are. I will post a list of all the British postmarks that we used overseas. And there are several books available describing the system and giving more details. So look out for those. But thank you for listening. And join us again in a couple of weeks for another Our Dad's Stamper podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you found it interesting and enjoyable. Don't forget you can visit my online stores at eBay and Delcamp under the name of Our Dad Stamps, where I have over 2,000 items for sale. 
Please join us again in two weeks' time for another edition of our Dad's Stamps podcast. <laughs>